Today we continue our series, Her Story, where we will hear from one of our own, Rhea Van Outen. Rhea will share her story today and how God can take not-so-great circumstances and still use them for such a time as this. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Today, um, we started a series a couple weeks ago called Her Story. We've looked at the story of Rahab, the story of Ruth. Rahab, we said her story is a story of rescue. Last week, we looked at the beautiful story of Ruth, and we said that her story is a story of redemption. So I was planning this series. I was looking at these different stories from women in the Bible, and I'm studying Esther, and I'm coming across Esther. Esther's story is a phenomenal story. It is an incredible story. If you've never read the book of Esther, I highly encourage you to do that. It's Esther. Uh, it's 10 chapters. You could read it easily in a week, maybe even a day. I mean, it's easy reading. It's, it's a wonderful story, but it's an incredible story. And Esther was a, uh, a young Jewish woman that the king, uh, Xerxes, at the time in Persia, this was during the time where the Jews were starting to come back from exile, like we saw in Ezra and Nehemiah. But she had been taken uh, as the queen. He was enamored with her beauty, and he wanted her to be his queen. Esther had an older cousin named Mordecai. And Mordecai had thwarted an assassination attempt, basically. But Haman was this second-in-command in Persia. And Haman did not like Mordecai, and he did not like Esther. He did not like any of the Jews. So he had a plan to destroy all of them. Well, Mordecai sent word to Esther, and he basically was pleading to her, God has put you in this position for a purpose. God has put you in this place for a purpose. And one of the most, one of the, a very famous statement that you may have heard from Scripture comes from the story of Esther and the conversation that Mordecai had with Esther. We see it in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. He, he, writes, he sends notice to her. He says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Because he knew the promises of God were real. God was going to answer the promises of God. He was going to heed his promises and take care of his Jewish people. He says, but you and your uh, father's family will perish. And he goes on, he says, but who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, for such a time as this. In other words, God has positioned you. Esther for such a time as as this. And Esther could sit there and think, this is not a position I would have chosen. (laughs) I wouldn't have chosen this for myself. So I call her story a story of unwarranted purpose where she, she wouldn't have authorized that, that purpose. And so, but she decides that in the middle of it, she surrounds herself with an army of intercessors that pray for her and pray about the situation. She decides that she's going to stand up against this enemy of God the enemy of God's people, even though her life was at risk. And it's interesting that the name of God is not mentioned one time in the book of Esther. But even though the name of God is not mentioned in that book, it's the only book the name of God is not mentioned. Even though it's not mentioned, his hand is all over it. And there's sometimes in our life when we look at our life and we think, where is God in this? Where's God in this situation? But when you begin to look, you see God's hand all over it. The story you're going to hear this morning is a story just like that. As I'm thinking about Esther's story, I couldn't help but think about Rhea Van Outen and the story that God was writing in her life. Rhea's story is very similar. It's a story that she would not have chosen for herself, I don't think. She would have put herself in the position that she had been put in in this life. But Rhea decided to stand strong in her faith. Even of even though what she was facing, she surrounded herself with an army of intercessors and she said, God, I'm going to be used by you. I want your purpose to work in my life. 
And when I called her and I talked about this and I said, it reminds me of a statement from Charles Spurgeon. When I was looking at his stuff and, and studying about Esther, he wrote this in his studies about Esther. He said, every child of God is where God has placed him for some purpose. What practical purpose has God placed each one of you where you could do something for Jesus? And in my haste, I left out this one part of the, ne- of the quote, all right? And it says, it says this. It says, you have been wishing for another position where you could do something for Jesus. Spurgeon says, you've been wishing for another reason, another purpose. Then he says, do not wish anything of the kind, but serve him where you are. This was Esther's story. I believe this is Rhea's story. So would you help me welcome this morning, Miss Rhea Van Outen, as she comes to share her story. Fun fact, Javen and I are the same age. We are the same age. Actually, he's a little older. He's a little older. Um, one of us stayed up with technology. The other, not so much. But I did type my notes. That's impressive. For me, that's impressive. Now, of course, all over these typed notes, I've also um, written all over them. So, um, so just a little about me. As he said, my name is Rhea Van Houten. For those of you that I haven't met, um, I have a wonderful, crazy husband at home. I say crazy because you are, bud. Um, and two beautiful daughters, Olivia and Abby, who are 20 and 17. I'm not real sure how that's possible because I'm 29, but which means you are too. Yeah. Awesome. When um, Pastor Javen called me and he asked me if I would be willing to do this, I immediately said, yes, absolutely. I would love to do that because I truly believe this is my purpose. Now, I'm not going to lie. 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, dear goodness, what have I done? (laughs) I agreed to do this, and I'm real nervous, y'all. So, bear with me. Um, Pastor Brian was gracious enough to sing Raise a Hallelujah this morning, uh, because over the last four years, that's sort of been my mantra. That song has helped me through so much in my life over the last few years. Um, and I just want to share with you a few of the things that that has come in front of me, but that God has helped me through so graciously. So May 19th, uh, May 16th rather, of 2019, so just this past Tuesday, marked four years since I heard the words, you have breast cancer. And I thought when the doctor called me that morning at 7.30 to tell me that I had breast cancer that he clearly was mistaken because I didn't have any breast cancer in my family. When I was doing my genetic testing, they asked about breast cancer and I said, well, the only person I know of is my mom's grandmother on my dad's side. Well, if you got to say all that, they don't count. That's what I learned. So no breast cancer history. So I really thought, have mercy, there's no way, there's no way. Um, So anyway, as I progress through this, um, I want to preface with, these are just a few of my storms. I like to call it my storms because that's what it feels like. Um, But my storms are no greater than your storms. 
It doesn't matter what you're going through. God can help you through them if you seek him. And I learned that my purpose in this and these storms I'm getting ready to share with you is that I'm supposed to share them. So if you have something God has helped you through, talk about it. Because you never know who you may be touching. So over the last four years, I'm thinking that my purpose is to talk about breast cancer, right? And help anybody who may be going through breast cancer. But I can tell you in the last few years, there's been way more going on in my life than just breast cancer. That was only the beginning. So when I look at um, all that we've been going through, my daughter described it. Olivia said, Mom, you know, I feel like we're in the middle of a tornado and it just won't put us down. And that's exactly what it feels like. So after hearing that I have breast cancer and finally accepting that I have breast cancer, it was a roller coaster. And I'm not talking, you know, the goofy roller coaster at Magic Kingdom. I'm talking the rock and roller coaster at, at um, Hollywood Studios where Aerosmith is blaring in your ear. It's dark. You're upside down. That's the roller coaster we've been on. So I initially was diagnosed. The surgeon had already set me up with an oncologist. And this oncologist was female. She also had had breast cancer just a couple of years prior. She also was 40 years old when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Sorry, I didn't realize how your mouth gets dry when you talk so much. Um, so that was just the beginning of the details. I meet this oncologist. She's absolutely wonderful. I love her. Her name is Dr. Hutchison. She um, had already set me up for a PET scan. She already had me set up for genetic testing. She already had everything in place before we even met her. I had my PET scan, and I get the call that they found nothing. The PET scan showed no cancer anywhere. So here we go. All right, I was up here, and now I'm back down. Maybe I don't have breast cancer. But she's going to send my pathology to a different pathologist, um, that sample, that tissue sample, to see what they saw. And it came back about a week later, I got a call that not only do I have invasive ductal carcinoma, which is a very common breast cancer, I also have Paget's disease, which only 1% of breast cancers have this second cancer to go along with it. So I went from having cancer to maybe not having cancer to having two cancers. And I thought, okay, Lord, whatever you're trying to teach me, clearly I'm a slow learner because this, this is a lot. If I back up to that first day, I had a lot of emotions, obviously. Fear, confusion, anger. Why is this happening to me? I don't understand it's not fair. Now, I have to tell you, my husband has always told my children, we don't say life's not fair. A fair is a place that you go to eat cotton candy and get monkey poop thrown at you. I don't, I've never had monkey poop thrown at me at the fair. I don't know what fair he went to as a child, but it was not the same one I go to. Whatever, though, it works. 
So I had to think about that. You know, what about it isn't fair? And when I was asking why me, I remember one Sunday morning during, during worship, Lori Cooper was talking and she said, when you're going through something, why do we ask why me, God? Perhaps we should ask why not me, right? Oh, that was tough. That was tough to hear because I promise you I was still in the why me God phase. So when I started thinking about why not me, I know that it's because God has a purpose for me. I'm looking at these trials uh, that, that I've just started on this early journey of breast cancer. And I always had, uh, the book of James has always stood out to me. I'm not a reader, so it's the smallest book of the Bible. That's my first reason for reading it. Um, Secondly, though, in that short chapter in the Bible, it is packed full of good stuff. So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. James chapter 1 is where I started. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ... To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. That sounds pretty good. And then he goes on to say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Joy is not what I was thinking. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should seek God, who gives you generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe. You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ooh, that hit me hard. Okay, so I'm asking you to heal me, Lord. Now I've got to believe that you will. And then I get to share when you have. That was awesome for me. That was a changing point in my thinking. So I went from woe is me to suck it up, buttercup. It's time to move on, right? So why am I fighting? Because at the time I had a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old girl at home that I want to see grow up. I started looking at all of the details. Because if you pay attention, you will see God in the details. He's there even when we think he isn't. So I started thinking back. Prior to this breast cancer diagnosis, all of the things that God put in place before I even was diagnosed. And so I was diagnosed in 2019. In 2017, we moved my parents next door. Moving them purposefully... Because, as my husband called it, their long-term care plan. Because we couldn't, 
know, nursing homes are expensive, and I'm not putting my mama and daddy in a nursing home, but my husband has a seven-day rule at our house. You can't stay longer than seven days. So we got to figure out what we're going to do with them, right? So the house next door comes open, and it started out as a joke. Oh, we're going to move you next door. That's how we're going to take care of you. And then months later, it came to fruition, and my parents moved next door so that I could take care of them as they got older. Not realizing that two years later, my mom would be taking care of me. In October of 2018, it was our 19th anniversary. My husband plans this surprise trip to the Dominican. Good job, babe. I'm still not 100% convinced that he didn't think it was our 20th anniversary. But that's okay. That's all right. (laughs) Either way, I got a trip to the Dominican, right? So it's all right. God was even in that, y'all. Because on our 20th anniversary, I was at chemo. I wouldn't have been able to go to the Dominican, and he surely wasn't going without me. So the dirty myrtle had to do that year. <laughs> That's terrible. I shouldn't say that. But but the water at Myrtle Beach really doesn't look like the water in the Dominican. All right. In February of 2019, just a few months prior to my diagnosis, a coworker of mine named Marilyn was diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, I was having some symptoms, but my breast cancer wasn't the typical, you feel a lump, you have a mammogram, it finds it. It was definitely a a roller coaster. (laughs) Uh, But Marilyn tells me that she's diagnosed with breast cancer. She's really struggling. She's really struggling to find God in this. Why has he deserted her? Um, What can he do to help me? Now, she's praying and she believes in God, but it's hard when you hear those words. I'm sure some of you that have heard you have cancer feel the same way. It's hard. So I prayed with Marilyn several times. Told her how God was going to save her from this. How he's going to help her through it. How she needs to seek him. I even went to one of her doctor's appointments with her. I'm a nurse, so, um, you know, she thought maybe I could help interpret some of what they were saying. Because doctors speak, as my daddy would call it, high dollar words. So she needed to understand what they were saying. And when you're going through it, you don't hear everything the doctor's saying, myself included. So here I am praying with Marilyn, going to the doctor with her. And then I hear the words that I have breast cancer too. How can I say all these things to Marilyn and then not believe them for myself? Right? So God hit me in the face with that pretty hard. You just told Marilyn all the things God can do for her. Do you not believe that he's going to do the same for you or that he's capable of doing the same? My treatment plan became uh, to have a double mastectomy. I had to do 18 cycles of chemo over the course of a year. The first six were what I called my bad treatments. They were eight hours long. I got there with my nurse in the morning, and I left with her in the evening. I felt like I needed to hang some IVs for her or something. I was hanging out all day. Those first six bad chemo treatments were something that I can't even explain to you how 
horrible I felt. I reached a point during that time that I truly felt it was okay if the Lord took me home. It was all right. Yes, I wanted to see my girls grow up. But that may not have been my purpose. My purpose may have been the lady that I met in Walmart. And I'm wearing a shirt my sister bought me that says, He can heal cancer. And this lady looks at me as she's riding by on the little scooter thing and says, I wish that were true. I've lost way too many people to that disease. And all I could say back was, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. Because God can heal her heart just like he could heal my cancer. It might not have been, that may have been my purpose. Who knows? I felt like that little bird. Y'all remember that book, Are You My Mother? Are You My Mother? Going around looking. I felt like that. I'm going, is this my purpose? Maybe this is my purpose. I know there's purpose in it. What's the purpose? It may have been the two ladies that this one particular day in chemo, there were two ladies sitting across from us. And while I was there in the beginning of chemo, my family was able to come with me. We laughed while we were there. Because one thing we do in my family, I can tell you, is we laugh. We can take any situation and turn it into laughter. Probably sometimes even when we shouldn't. But we can laugh. So my sister was there with me this particular day. And the two ladies sitting across from us, they were sisters also. They were older than us. But they weren't laughing like me and my sister were. They looked like they were arguing. One of the nurses comes over to me and she gets down real close and kisses me on the cheek. And she said, I need you to talk to this lady across from me. When you and your family come in, you're a ray of sunshine. And I need for you to talk to her. And I thought, we are a ray of sunshine? No, we're just a bunch of fools sitting here, but that's okay. I'm glad that's how you see it. So she says, she says to me, um, you know, can you can you speak with her and just kind of encourage her a little bit? So we start talking to them because I can tell you, when I went to chemo, you get to choose your seat. And I always looked at the people who were awake because I was going to talk. If you were asleep, see, I might have to wake you up and people didn't always like that. So we're talking to these ladies and find out that they're sisters. The one doing chemo, she was super sick. She couldn't eat. She'd lost a lot of weight. And I had just experienced the same thing. I was able to tell her that it's okay. If you continue on, you'll be able to eat. You'll get your strength back. And my sister was able to talk to her sister and say, you know, when she tells you she can't eat, she can't eat. Don't force it. Because I promise you, if anybody tried to force me to eat, it was Rebecca Hammond. She brought me a different concoction every single day trying to get me to eat or drink something. And I do appreciate that. None of it tasted good. But anyway, I'm hoping that was just the chemo and not her concoctions. But you know, (laughs) whatever, right? But that may have been our purpose, to talk to these ladies. Who knows, right? When I think about purpose, when I was first diagnosed... I've gotten so many things from so many people. I have tubs of breast cancer stuff at home. Just ask my husband because he has to move them all the time. 
bring those back down. I need to look at this. Oh, can you put this up constantly? A couple of things, though, I just wanted to show you. This bracelet came to me from a friend of mine that I went to elementary school with. We reconnected, and she gave me this bracelet after she prayed with me. And it says, the Lord has been my dwelling place. In him I put my trust. What a reminder that was for me. And then God being present in the details prior to cancer. This quilt was made by Linda Young here. And when she gave it to me, she said, God told me to make this, but I had no idea who I was making it for. And then just a few weeks later, she heard that I had breast cancer. I took both of these things to me with, uh, to chemo. I took them with me because they were great conversation starters. When I have this and they say, oh, that's so pretty. Who made it for you? Oh, my friend Linda from church made this. Look at this Bible verse here. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then I can share the Bible verses that are on here. And then we can talk about Jesus and how good he is. Maybe that's my purpose. And Linda helped me fulfill what may have been my purpose, right? So as I was trying to prepare, speaking of how God prepares you, as I was trying to prepare for this today, I started looking uh, through my journal that I started. And I told you I'm not a reader, I'm not a writer. So I only wrote the first six treatments and then it kind of ends there. So that's not real good because that sixth treatment wasn't good for me. So if you read it, it's going to look like I died. But (laughs) thankfully I didn't, right? (laughs) But as I'm preparing for this, I see treatment number two, right? August 30th of 2019, I wrote my prayer for today, this week, this journey. Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. You've been ever present in the midst of this storm, and I know there's purpose in it all. I pray, God, that I continue to see you in all the details, and let me not take any of those details for granted. Lord, help me to remember that I'm not in this storm alone. Thank you for putting all the people in place that you knew I would need. You sent me a husband who loves me in sickness, not just in health, just as he vowed he would do. You gave me amazing parents, siblings, family, friends, church family, co-workers that support me. And for that, I give you all thanks. Please, Lord, help my precious girls see your presence and feel your love. I pray they will cry out to you, Lord, when they feel anxious. Guide me, Father, and make it clear to me how I can share your goodness and your grace. I thank you, Lord, for whatever time you choose to give me here on this earth. And let me never take any of it for granted. He was preparing me for this, to talk about my purpose. So I told you that it wasn't just um, breast cancer. um, But there was a couple of times during breast cancer... Uh, and chemo treatments that I truly, you know, thinking that I may not make it through this, mostly because I wouldn't eat that nasty stuff my sister brought me. There was one particular time after chemo number five. I was laying in my bed crying 
because the girls were asleep, I thought. Well, Abby comes in my room and she says, Mama, what's wrong? And I said, Baby, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, she goes into the living room and tells her daddy, I don't know what's wrong with her, but you better get in there because she's crying. So here he comes once again to save the day. He holds my hand. And I said, John, I don't think I can do this last bad treatment. I've been laying on the floor for two hours in the bathroom throwing up. I don't think I can do this. And he said to me, honey, you don't have to. And I responded like any other woman. You just want me to die? You don't care if I do the sixth treatment? Really? (laughs) And so he says, okay, then you've got to do this treatment. Suck it up. And I said, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Thus the reason Pastor Javen didn't try to mansplain a woman, right? So he continued on with, babe, I'm going to sit right here and hold your hand. And you just let me know if I need to do this or this. And we finished out that night, friends, which was good. So, again, as I'm looking through my Bible and I'm reading, I come across Psalm 121. And in my Bible, I took a picture of it. And I posted this on Facebook. I think we have it here. In my Bible, I had circled years ago, um, Psalm 121, the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. That was my granny, because my granny loved some psalm, let me tell you. She had, uh, uh, when she gave me a Bible years ago, it said, uh, she would write bunches of notes and told me what verses to go to. If I was feeling a certain way. And this was one of them. And when I looked at it, I thought, wow. God is my hedge of protection now and forevermore. Right? So fast forward. I continue with chemo. 2020, of course, we all know COVID hit. So now my family can't go to chemo with me. But that's okay. I've made a lot of friends. Um, My sister-in-law, Diane, was diagnosed with COVID. She ended up on a ventilator for 11 days. She um, thankfully survived it. But yet another obstacle that we were facing. In August of 2020, I completed my 18th cycle and I rang the bell. Woohoo! Yay! Um, and God was present. We felt like things were settling down. And then two months later, my dad is diagnosed with a spindle cell sarcoma, a huge tumor in his leg. After 25 radiation treatments, they removed it, and it was still the size of a small football. But he was doing great. He was doing fabulous. My mother-in-law decides to fall and break some ribs and puncture a lung. That's okay. God was there. She made it back home. In January of 21, I saw a dermatologist because my hair had not grown back. And I'm told, your hair is not going to come back. We think you have taxateer toxicity. Now, when I called my husband crying about this one, it wasn't even like breast cancer. I was (laughs) ugly crying, right? And he's like, what's wrong? He's at lunch with his boss. What's wrong? Let me step out. And I'm like, my hair's not coming back. And he was like, 
okay, I thought something big had happened. Well, man, you clearly don't get it. This is big. My hair's not coming back. So as you can see, I have embraced the wig wearing, which I struggled with. But I've learned that I can be whatever personality I want to be that day. And he can be warned real early in the morning what he's facing. In October of 2021, my dad's cancer metastasized to his lung. Uh, and 2022 was filled with numerous surgeries and chemo started December 28th. Also in December, my 17-year-old Abby tells me that she feels a lump in her jaw. And when she presses on it, it sends pain through a tooth. So I call my sister, the dental hygienist, to come look at it because I, I don't do mouths. I might be a nurse, but I don't do mouths. So she looks at it. She sends Abby to gargle salt water. You know how mamas, we put a Band-Aid on everything. Dental hygienists make you gargle salt water for everything. She sends Abby to do that, but then she looks at me and says, I need to see her next week. We need to scan her. So that's the plan. February 15th of this year is my mom's birthday. My dad was at chemo. Abby's scheduled for surgery to remove a tumor from her mouth that we don't know what it is. And my mom gets admitted to the hospital with a heart rate of 30. So she needs a pacemaker. Now, when I told you clearly I'm not getting what God's trying to teach me, I'm obviously not getting it. I prayed a lot about that. Well, Abby makes it through the surgery. We don't tell her at that moment that the doctor tells us, I have no idea what this is. But it's across her entire jawbone. And I didn't get it all. So, fast forward a little bit, Abby wants to go with me, big cheek and all, to see my mom in the hospital. And on the way there, I said, Abby, how are you doing with all this? Tell me how you're feeling. And she, with her normal cheerful self, said, I'm good, Mom. How are you? And I said, I'm not good. It's one thing for it to be me and my daddy, but my baby, I'm struggling. I said, so my prayer has been, God, give it to me. Don't give this to my baby. And she said, Mama, when you were going through breast cancer, that's exactly how I felt. I prayed, Lord, why can't it be me? Why does it have to be my mom? And I thought, how sweet. And I said, baby, that's, that's precious. That's so sweet of you. But you don't understand. And you won't until you have a child of your own. And she said, Mom, you didn't let me finish. Oh, goodness, because Abby's very much like her daddy. She said, I prayed that, but I hope that God didn't misunderstand the assignment. (laughs) I didn't mean for us both to have cancer, Mama. (laughs) A week later, we get a call that it's not cancer, thankfully. It is a giant cell granuloma, which is very aggressive, and she's got to have another surgery, which she had on March 30th. Um. But anyway, no no cancer, and we can deal with whatever is to come. On March 11th, my dad started feeling really bad. Now, he'd been doing great through chemo, but he started feeling really bad. um, And he was admitted to the hospital. Less than 24 hours later, my dad was gone. He received his ultimate healing. When I tell you God's in the details... The oncologist that we see doesn't go to Richland, and my dad was at Richland. She always goes to Baptist. That morning, my mom and I were in dad's room, and who walks in? The Dr. Hutchison. 
She grabs my mom, she hugs her, and she tells her it's time to make some decisions. Dad's still alert and oriented, though. So she tells him to. Well, Mom and I are talking, um, and she comes to me, and she, I, she said, I'm never here. My colleague had an emergency, and I had to cover for him this morning. And I said, Dr. Hutchison, God put you here because he knew we needed you. We trust you, so making these decisions is a lot easier because you were here. So my dad passes, but we had one hour with him of laughing and joking and, and talking before he started to fade. And I'm so grateful. I recognize that a lot of people don't get that. And we did. One last thing, though, because mom and dad always had to outdo each other. The day of dad's visitation, my mom asks me to look at her pacemaker and it's infected. So three days after my dad's funeral, my mom's readmitted to the hospital to get this pacemaker taken out and another one put in. I do want you to know, though, currently, Abby is tumor-free. My mom has a pacemaker with a heart rate of 70, and she is running now. It's awesome. She sometimes forgets her cane. I have embraced wearing the wig. That's, that's big for me. And my daddy received his ultimate healing. And we were able and blessed to see God in it all. So Psalm 107, verse 28 and 29. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And we're praying that that's where we are now. Hush waves. All right. The last thing I have here is just a quick little video I want you to see. Um, this is, it shows the journey from beginning to end. There are some tears, but I hope you will see more laughter because that's truly what we experienced, more laughter than tears. Um, and I do challenge you, when the storms of life come, surround yourself with believers because that's going to make all the difference. And then seek out and search for your purpose. What a story. What a story. And tonight, Abby is one of those teenagers that we're celebrating who's graduating. Such an awesome story. I pray today that you're encouraged. That no matter what you're going through, if you're in circumstances and situations today or at this point in your life, that you're like, I wouldn't choose these for my life. God has a purpose. And he wants to use you and he wants to work through you. Thank you, Rhea, so much. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.